The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Good morning, I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Here are the stories we're following today. The Securities and Exchange Commission approved exchange-traded funds that invest directly in Bitcoin. The agency authorized 11 funds to begin trading on Thursday. Now, the approvals also mark a rare capitulation by the SEC following opposition that lasted for more than a decade. We got reaction from ARK CEO Kathy Wood. We think that uh, longer term, which is our focus, of course, you know, with institutions really getting the green light now uh, uh, with an SEC approval, we think that even uh, going to 0.1 or 0.5 percent of a portfolio for institutions is going to be a, a price moving event. And that's our CEO, Kathy Wood. The decision today comes one day after a false post on the SEC's X account claimed that the agency had already approved the ETFs. The regulator subsequently said the account had been compromised, causing the price of Bitcoin to fluctuate wildly. And uh, the SEC said the FBI is investigating that breach. At the moment, Bitcoin is trading up over 47,000, so a 3% move here in the wake of the approval, 47,316. Well, Alaska Air Group is grounding all flights of its Boeing 737 MAX 9 aircraft over the next three days. And this decision means between 110 to 150 daily flights will be canceled. You'll remember last Friday uh, that an Alaskan Air 737 MAX 9 lost part of its fuselage shortly after takeoff. Now, that move to suspend the flights will now give U.S. safety regulators time to inspect all aircraft and prepare them for a return to service once standards have been issued. Meantime today, the head of Boeing, that is CEO David Calhoun, he was on CNBC saying the company is working to prevent future accidents. Now we're in a moment where we have nobody at risk, and our job is to understand literally everything that has happened, everything that surrounds that particular fuselage plug and uh, and fix it and make sure it can never happen again. David Calhoun, the CEO of Boeing. Boeing shares finished up nearly 1% in New York trading. Meantime, shares in Alaska Air were down nearly 1% today. Brian? You know, Doug, this story has case study all over it at a place like Harvard Business School. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see how that um, how that works out. Well, Amazon is laying off hundreds of workers at its prime video and studios business. Bloomberg's Matt Day says he's not surprised given the state of the industry. Just a ton of pain right now in the streaming services and folks kind of reassessing, you know, how many bodies they're going to need for the demand for just the, uh, the ton of streamable content out there. Um, Amazon's studios boss, Mike Hopkins, mentioned they plan to discontinue some things um, over the course of these layoffs. They didn't specify what exactly those were, um, but really just the latest in, in what looks like cuts, um, you know, all over the place at Amazon that they petered out. It's not, you know, tens of thousands of people the way it was a year ago, but it's, it seems to be ongoing. 
That's Bloomberg's Matt Day reporting. We also reported on Tuesday that the company's Twitch live streaming service was preparing to announce cuts to about 35 percent of its staff. That equates to about 500 workers. Shares of Amazon closed up 1.6 percent. New York Fed President John Williams was saying today monetary policy is now tight enough to guide inflation back to the Fed's target, that being 2 percent. Even so, Mr. Williams suggested the Fed does need to see a little bit more in the way of evidence of cooling inflation before cutting interest rates. I expect that we will need to maintain a restrictive stance of policy for some time to fully achieve our goals. And it will only be appropriate to dial back the degree of policy restraint when we're confident that inflation is moving towards toward 2% on a sustained basis. He is John Williams, the head of the New York Fed. Now, tomorrow, a key piece of economic news, 8.30 a.m. Wall Street time is when we get the December reading on consumer prices. Brian? Well, the Bank of Korea is likely to stand pat on interest rates today. Bloomberg's Bonnie Ao has more. The BOK will probably push back against any expectations it might join the Fed in signaling a pivot. Governor Ri Chang-yong has warned against prematurely relaxing the fight against inflation. All 12 economists surveyed by Bloomberg expect the BOK to keep its benchmark rate at 3.5%. If the BOK holds, it will mark a full year that authorities have kept the rate steady. Economists expect only about two cuts by the end of 2024. In Hong Kong, I'm Bonnie L, Bloomberg Radio. Huawei Technologies has wound down its in-house lobbying operations in the U.S. That story from Bloomberg's Joanne Wong in Hong Kong. Huawei's last two registered lobbyists left in recent months. The lobbyists' recent departures follow an exodus of staff from Huawei's U.S. operations. That marks a quiet end to Huawei's costly, decade-long effort to maintain a presence in the North American market. Federal filings showed the company had spent more than $13 million lobbying in the past 10 years. The firm reached its peak by supplying small mobile firms across the U.S., even as major carriers shunned it. But rising tensions with Beijing eventually all but banded. In Hong Kong, I'm Joanne Wong, Bloomberg Radio. Meantime, China's credit market looks to be improving. We had a couple of property developers yesterday and also a large car dealer announce that they would make payments on maturing debt. One was China Wang Ke, the other one was Long Four Group, and they said that they would they would uh, make these payments in the course of the next month or so. And also China Grand Automotive pledged to pay a dollar note that matures uh, sometime this month. So that's seen as good news and will offer a bit of relief to investors. Now it's time for global news. Well, another candidate vying for the Republican nomination for president has dropped out. Dan Schwartzman with that story in New York. Dan. Hey, Brian. As Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis get set to debate tonight in Des Moines, Iowa, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie announces he is dropping out of the Republican presidential primary race. Christie had faced increased pressure in recent days to drop out to help boost Haley in New Hampshire, where she has focused her campaign resources. The former governor was a long shot to win, leaving the race with under 4% of support in the polls. Christie had at one time been a Trump ally, leading the former president's transition team, but he had fallen out with Trump back in 2020. Christie had strong words regarding Trump. No one would tell the truth about his divisiveness, his stoking of anger for his own benefit, him putting himself before the people of this country. 
Christie was speaking at a town hall in New Hampshire. Donald Trump has been blocked from making a statement during closing arguments in his $370 million civil trial. The judge overseeing the case, Arthur Angerin, told Trump's legal team he won't be allowed to speak, citing the former president's refusal to agree to standard court rules about what he can say. Trump is accused of inflating the value of his assets on financial documents for more than a decade in an effort to get better loan terms. Trump's lawyers and the judge have repeatedly clashed during the almost 11-week trial as Trump's team has frequently accused the judge of bias against their clients. The U.S. and allies weighing options to retaliate against Iranian-backed Yemeni-based Houthi rebels who continue to attack commercial vessels transiting through the Red Sea. The militants launched their largest drone and missile attacks on ships earlier today with U.S. and British warships and planes shooting down 18 drones and three anti-ship missiles. So far, the U.S. and its coalition partners have failed to slow the attacks, leading to shipping companies refusing to send vessels through the area. California Governor Gavin Newsom has proposed spending cuts during the next fiscal year to tackle a $37.9 billion deficit due to inflation and lower tax revenue from wealthy earners. The gap is actually much smaller than was originally projected by the state's nonpartisan Legislative Analysts Office, which back in December pegged the deficit at around $68 billion. Newsom's plan to close the deficit include drawing $13.1 billion from the state's reserves, as well as cutting $8.5 billion from areas such as climate change initiatives housing and scholarship programs will also freeze in spending across government agencies. Jaw-dropping news coming out of sports. Alabama head football coach Nick Saban will be retiring. 17 years, six national titles, and after that first year, 16 straight seasons of 10 or more wins per season, considered by many the greatest coach in the history of college football. Global news 24 hours a day and whenever you want it with Bloomberg News Now, I'm Dan Schwartzman and this is Bloomberg. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City. Cutter and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers, and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at CutterEconomicForum.com. Well, this is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Paul Allen joins us now from Sydney, and our guest is Douglas Borthwick, CEO at Blue Canary Capital, to take a closer look at these Bitcoin ETF approvals. So, Douglas, you probably heard me say this, but I, I want to get your, your view on it. Do you actually see this as capitulation by the SEC, or is it just the result of a lengthy regulatory process? Well, I think it's a bit of both. I mean, let, let's, let's be honest. Uh, Gary Gensler had to be pulled over this uh, finish line, and he didn't get pulled over by the market. He got pulled over really by a lawsuit that was filed by uh, Grayscale. Um, but they didn't want to do it. They was very much against it but finally capitulated today and actually voted for it, along with Hester Pierce. So I think that it's uh, it's something that they were kicking and screaming, but they ran out of excuses for why they couldn't do it. Because the SEC's job isn't to decide what people can invest in, rather is to make sure if people invest in something that they're protected. And I think that they ran out of excuses. 
Yeah, the SEC was pretty clear, though, that you know, while it's uh, okay with these ETFs, it doesn't endorse Bitcoin. But we're in a situation now we've got an ETF trading what is an unpredictable ethereal asset. Are, are there still some risks hooked up to this? Uh, does the SEC right to be cautious? Well, there's risks associated with absolutely every security that exists, right? There's, there's no company that goes out there. The SEC says there's no risk here. There's absolutely two-way risk. But what this means is, is that there's risk, but it's well documented in the prospectuses so people understand what they're getting into. But now this goes mainstream. And, you know, you had a quote from Kathy Wood earlier. The reality is that as people start adding this as a diversification to their portfolio, and who wouldn't, given you've seen the returns that have happened in Bitcoin over the past, what, 15 years, people are going to get involved and they're going to put, you know, you know a little bit of this in their portfolio, and whether it's 0.1%, 5%, 10%, all of this is going to start adding up considerably. And banks are going to turn around and say, you know what, crypto isn't bad, Bitcoin is good, because banks mm. have now figured out how to make money on this asset with their customer base. Well, and apparently it wasn't all discounted, uh, this approval, because you have seen a bounce this morning. Now it's uh, three and a quarter percent or so to 47,450. Do you think that this, this approval process, uh, that this will serve as a major milestone for Bitcoin and for other cryptos uh, as well? Well, it's a major milestone for Bitcoin. I mean, there's a lot of crypto out there that's garbage. Um, Ethereum, I think, is probably going to be the next ETF that we're all going to mm -hmm. start focusing on. But for Bitcoin, this is absolutely a milestone. I think it's, it's I, I hesitate to say it, but a floor in that now you've got the ability for people to be able to buy Bitcoin without all of the hassle of a wallet or trying to understand what self-custody is and all mm. of these different uh, technology terms that no one understands except for folks within the crypto industry. And so being able to just buy it simply, going onto a website, being able to buy it in your 401k, in your IRA, having your financial advisor being able to allocate this to your portfolio changes the game in such a large way. And it is a limited asset. There are not that many coins left out there. The majority of people that hold Bitcoin want to hold it for a very long time. And so I think that it has a great opportunity here for it to really get a lot more, well, not just diversification of portfolios, but also for people to actually start thinking about Bitcoin as something that they can associate themselves with. So when trading gets going, what sort of interest are you anticipating from buyers, particularly some of these retail uh, buyers that you're talking about? Well, I think the retail buyers, the retail folks have already been buying it themselves on a Coinbase or something like that. It's the institutions that haven't been buying it. And I think it's the institutional interest that's going to be very, very interesting. And so, you know, you can get lots of, you know, young guys buying $200 worth, but that doesn't really move the needle. What moves the needle is when you buy $2 billion worth. And BlackRock's been, you know, there's been reports that BlackRock says there's $2 billion of interest already in their ETF. That's a tremendous amount of interest. And that's only one of the 11 ETFs that are, that are out there. And this is only, yeah. you know, day one. We've okay, got well, years and years of, of interest, of buying interest coming into this. So I have 11 funds approved. How do they differentiate um, themselves from others? Well, I think it's very hard. I, I think that a lot of them right now are differentiating themselves based upon fees, right? So one's mm. at 0.49, one's at 0.5%. Grayscale continues to be you know, above 1%. I think that so fee differentiation is important, but I think a lot of folks generally will just deal with what they can deal with or what their financial advisor allocates them towards. And so... 
while fees are important, there's still these fees are still a lot less than if they were buying Bitcoin on an exchange or if they were buying Bitcoin uh, through Grayscale as it was previously when it was a trust company. So, so presumably this is bad for Coinbase, right? Well, you've got to wonder. You know, I think that there are, if Coinbase has diehard crypto, uh, Bitcoin fans that want to self-custody, well, that's one thing. But certainly there's going to be a lot of retail that maybe wanted access to Bitcoin on Coinbase and now decide, you know what, I'll just do it through an ETF. But that's also good news for Coinbase because Coinbase is involved in many of the ETFs that are out there. Yeah, yeah, it could be uh, bad on one side, but very good on the other side. Uh, Douglas, thanks very much for joining us. Douglas Borthwick, CEO at Blue Canary Capital. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcast. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum, powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers, and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights, and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at CarterEconomicForum.com.